And welcome in to episode number two of the Grind on Sports. Today, I'm Wayne Kaiser alongside my my good co-host right there, uh, Mr. Ben Metz. Uh, He's going to be stepping in. We've got a lot of different stuff to talk about today, but uh, again, uh, episode two on the books. uh, So going to post that as soon as we get done with it. Uh, But the topics today, Mr. Metz, uh, of course, always... uh, uh, hate to see uh, a coach or a player of uh, any kind of impact to our our lives uh, leave us. But uh, Coach Mike Leach uh, left us a little bit too soon. Uh, Mike Leach uh, passed away earlier this week, 61 years old, uh, from complications from a heart condition uh, that basically transpired there uh, Sunday night. Yeah, terrible situation for the game of college football. This is a guy who never played college football, uh, 30 years in the coaching industry, and really uh, with the coach of Hal uh, Mum, Hal kind of put together an air raid offense that really kind of brought out a lot of this RPO that we see today. Um, so terrible loss for college football. And, and you, you can't say Mike Leach without talking about his personality, right, Wade? Uh, we talked about him being called the pirate. His classic pirate saying was, well, if you don't like what the captain's doing, the crew can just overthrow him. So <laughs> uh, he will be missed. So so I learned, I've learned i learned a lot about Mike Leach over the last few days. Uh, learned he played rugby, actually, at BYU. And uh, always wanted to play football, but, but really just, uh, I, I guess, just didn't meet the requirements there. He wanted to go to BYU. Uh, and, and so... But he, he, he watched film with guys like Steve Young, uh, Steve or uh, Jim McMahon, Steve Young, those guys uh, there at BYU. So pretty good company uh, to kind of learn the game a little bit from. But, yeah, uh, finally got into the coaching ranks, uh, kind of made his way, uh, got got kind of brought together with Hal Mummy, uh, and then creates an air raid offense that, uh, quite frankly, if you look at, at the college football playoff here in 2022, uh, you look at the NFL. You look at at where the game's headed. Uh, he was a guy that was ahead of his time. And and Mike Leach, you know, I, I, a lot of people, you know, we we've talked about it. And and you know, I, in everything, football is not the first thing that would come to mind if you asked me to say some things about Mike Leach. Uh, to me, Mike Leach is. Um, I, I think I made mention of it to you earlier in the week. I said, you know, Mike Leach might have it figured out. He may have had life figured out uh, because uh, it didn't matter if he just won the Egg Bowl or if he got blew out, uh, you know, wasn't able to score any points. If they ask him what his favorite Halloween candy was, he's going to give you a, a dissertation on why he hated candy corn. And and to me, uh, that level of assurance and self kind of okay in his own skin to me, that that was a refreshing sight just from Mike Leach, not necessarily a football coach. Uh, and then ultimately, um, he never tried to be anybody. He never tried to replicate anything anybody else was doing. Uh, he was his own man. And, and I guess hindsight, you're like, man, 
just to have a bit of that confidence, just to have a bit of that, uh, you know, just swagger that he kind of rolled with. And I think his players fed off of it. I mean, you look at it, uh, he'll, he'll never be remembered for, for all the national championship moments or all the great, uh, you know, big, big time seasons or what have you. But if you look at where he has been, his footprints everywhere, uh, it, it hits home with us, you know, Josh Heupel, um, at Oklahoma is the reason he got to Oklahoma was Mike Leach, uh, brought him out of the JUCO ranks. But, uh, then you look at him at Texas tech, uh, what he orchestrated with the likes of Graham Harrell, Michael Crabtree, that bunch that upset Texas and did all those things. Um, then he, then he kind of, uh, gets in a riff with some parents and, and, you know, arguable treatment there, um, of a player, gets let go there and then goes to Washington state, a a place that was terrible before he got there and has been terrible since. And he goes on and and battles for the PAC 12 championship. Um, and then gets the Mississippi state job. And, uh, the first game post 2019 national champion, uh, he, he, he knocks LSU for a loop, uh, drums them at their own place. Uh, and kind of opens up that 2020 season. So he's been a part of a lot of big things, and I think he'll be in that conversation of just dynamic coaches because of of what he brought to the game. But I I think I remember Mike Leach is if you look at somebody who couldn't tell you – they couldn't tell you a football player's name. If you said Mike Leach, they'd say, oh, that wild man, that, that football coach. Everybody knew Mike Leach, and it, it was because of the person he was, not the football coach he was. Yeah, and just to, just to go along with that point, Wayne, um, you talked about him kind of def- taking that definition of life. He was one of few coaches that taught classes throughout the, 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 co- the college year. I mean, he took, uh, and he, he took it upon himself to teach, and then he, and then he also, every conversation that he would have, uh, he valued that conversation. He wanted to have that conversation. How Mummy talked about, they talk about whether or not there were aliens, whether or not there was there was a Bigfoot. So just enjoying those conversations and enjoying human interaction. I think you're right. I think he had life figured out. What what I love. There was a couple stories, and and again, I'm gonna throw up this uh, this this image. You know, if you're if you're watching this and you're not a sports person, you're just one of my friends. I appreciate it uh, for you watching. But who we're talking about? Uh, Coach Mike Leach, um, you you know, he left us as the head football coach, Mississippi State, but ultimately was at a lot of different stops. But but I love uh, his interaction with the the media was pretty funny. You know, you talk about Mike Leach and uh, they were asking him about Bigfoot one time and he goes, well, you know, over over history, we've found dinosaur bones, but I I don't know that we've ever found Bigfoot bones. So I would say no, uh, that there's not. Uh, Bigfoot, but he, you know, obviously he's like, I'm not really here to make that call. Uh, then he talked about hating candy corn. Then he talked about gravy. Uh, then, then probably one of the more recent ones was the, the lady on ESPN was getting married and, and she asked him if he had any pointers. And he just said, he said every, you know, basically every female in, in your family is about to lose their mind. He said, if there's one close, it's going to happen. Just go elope, he said. And then once the dust settles, then you can have a ceremony. But uh, I just think, you know, off the cuff, he's, and he makes all the jokes. He said, uh, he said I'm pretty sure he, he was wanting to keep it under wraps, but obviously you didn't because it's on national TV when they're talking about it. But 
a couple coaches that are that are in his coaching tree. Of course, he's from the How Mummy coaching tree, but just active coaches that are that are from Mike Leach or have coached with Mike Leach at one time or another. Dave Aranda uh, was on his Texas Tech staff. I think Neil Brown was on his uh, may have been on his Washington State staff. Sonny Cumbie, a Louisiana Tech's head coach, uh, was on one of his staff. Sonny Dykes, I believe, was on his Texas Tech staff. Uh, Josh Heupel. Uh, was uh, he was coached by Leach for just a short period of time. Uh, he he uh, recruited Heupel to Oklahoma in 99, and then he took the tech job in uh, in 2000. Uh, Dana Holgerson, Houston's head coach. Uh, Cliff Kingsbury, uh, who was his, uh, his his quarterback at Texas Tech, and then, and then finally I think actually was a GA for him. Uh, Ken Wilson, the head coach at Nevada, and then a uh, a sluggish quarterback at Texas Tech that he basically looked him in the face and said, you're not good enough to play for me, so why don't you come be a student assistant? You know who, who that guy is? Who is? Lincoln Riley. Lincoln Riley. That's who that was. So uh, uh, talk about uh, tutoring and, and, and growing coaches. Uh, Mike Leach was in there. And uh, the pirate, uh, the the pirate flag at Mississippi State is is flying at half mast today, and should, probably should be. Uh, they've they've of course uh, they've announced that they're going to promote uh, their their interim. Uh, I think his last name's Arnett, Coach Arnett, uh, going to promote him to the head coaching job. So I think uh, uh, that keeps team continuity, the the uh, the cultural stay intact. And I think uh in a situation like this i mean i i think in my lifetime i don't know another situation like this where abruptly a coach uh passes away uh even even while he's still an active coach so i i think they're in uncharted waters and honestly uh, i like the the play of the 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 administration there and ultimately uh, i like that the players have chosen to play in the bowl game and pretty much dedicate the performance uh to mike leach so I don't. I probably won't ever say this again, but uh, honestly, for this week, we'll say Hell State. There you go, buddy. Hell State. But uh, you, you know, um, I, I think uh, as uh, as Coach Leach would say, I've spent too much time uh, on him, and uh, and we'll we'll kind of keep moving with it. But uh, but Ben, a, a lot to talk about still yet here today. Again, our first episode. If you're just watching episode two, go back check out episode number one. It's on YouTube. Uh, again, a link in our Facebook and Twitter can be found for that as well. Uh, we're going to continue to grow this thing, kind of learn from what we're doing or maybe what we're not doing and uh, and try to get better from it. But we do want to talk Tennessee basketball, and then we've got pickums to make uh, for the first week of bowl season. Uh, so we're going to jump, uh, jump into Tennessee basketball at this time. Uh, Tennessee basketball, Ben, uh, I titled this topic Basketballs, Good or Talented? And I, and I think the answer could be both. But I, what I mean by that is, is I think they're talented. I, I think they're probably maybe as talented of a 10 number, you know, 10 guys that Rick Barnes has had since he's been in Knoxville. I, I think that's that goes without saying. But I, I question, are they good? And, and what I mean by that is, are they, do they know how to play together? Are they super young? Are they, uh, are they green, as, as, you know, we like to say? I think all are yes, uh, but but I guess what what's your take early on in this season uh, for the Tennessee basketball balls, and then I, I guess what are you you hoping to see moving forward? So, in the first part of this season, you know you don't you don't see the big the big time games. You see a couple big time games here and there, like the Maryland game and the Colorado game, 
Um, I think those two games, when you look at both of those um, and you look at what we did well and what we didn't do so well, um, were very similar, Wayne, to the team that we had last year. I think this is a team that, you know, with uh, Phillips, with Vescovi, um, they're going to have the guard play. They're going to have that guard play. That guard play will come as the season progresses. We get into conference play. Uh, in the Colorado game um, and, in, and in the Kansas game, uh, we had close to 20 turnovers and 20 turnovers in, the, in that Kansas game. Even though we beat Kansas, we turned over the basketball 20-plus times. Um, and then in the Maryland game, uh, we were over 10 turnovers in the Maryland game. So that's very similar to the team that we had last year is in this barn style of offense, we're going to be moving the basketball around the perimeter. We're going to be moving the post players to the elbow to try to generate lanes to the basket. If you're making clean passes, you're not going to turn over the basketball, but it could create some difficult shots from behind the three-point arc. Um, so my prediction for this year, is this team good or is it talented? It's all going to depend on can we reduce turnovers? Uh, because last year when we played against Michigan, you know, we didn't have we had we had a lot of turnovers in that game against Michigan. We had a good team. We had we had Kennedy Chandler. We had uh, we had some big guys under the basket like we have this year. I think the other concern point is we need a big man to step up underneath the basket, whether that's Adu, whether that's uh, uh, Posich or uh, Kimwa, but we've got to have that big player under the basket to generate offense um, for us that we haven't had in past years, like with Grant Williams. So I think that to determine whether or not this team is going to be good or talented, we got to we got to be better underneath the basket, and we got to reduce our turnover. Well, and I think we're masking a lot of that uh, inefficiency uh, by by the fact of how good we're playing defense right now. Uh, if you look at it, uh, we went on a good little stretch there of holding teams under 50 points. Uh, Tennessee Tech, 43. Uh, Florida Gulf Coast, 50 on the nose. Uh, Butler, 45. Uh, Southern Cal got some points there. But then Kansas, 50. McNeese State, 40. Uh, Alcorn State, 40. Eastern Kentucky, 49. Maryland, 53. Uh, so I think defensively we're putting ourselves in a position to where we don't have to outscore people. It's kind of adverse to what the football team does is where they just try to outrun you. But uh, I think that's a big piece of what we're doing now. And, and I think uh, it's it's kind of a tale of two halves of the floor. Uh, we, we run a lot of uh, – uh, you know, perimeter shooting. And, and really, I don't like that we don't do a ton of offensive rebounds. Uh, we don't follow our shot. We don't do those type things. Uh, but I think that's all to try to prevent transition baskets. Uh, so it's a little give and take there. Uh, but I think we got to continue to play good defense, and I think that's there. I think Phillips is uh, as rough of a diamond as I've seen, uh, but he is a diamond. I think he's a very special player. He's He is already showing me more glimpses this early than Kennedy showed was showing me last year now granted much different player he's not a one he's probably more of a probably a three hybrid four and so i think it's a different place he has a, a lot more opportunity to shoot you know uncontested uh but i like what i'm seeing from phillips i think he's a killer player i think he just doesn't know all the people that he's on the floor with at the same time uh, i think plosovich or 
they say it 10 different ways. Let's just say Eurosh, uh, he does a great job defensively, but again, he's still too big for his paws sometimes. I still think he swats at people that maybe overseas that's going to work, but it doesn't work here. Uh, I think against the Auburns, uh, against teams that, that can go blow for blow defensively, uh, we may struggle. But I like our chances. I think in the old uh, the old boxing reference, I think we've got a puncher's chance with anybody. Uh, so I like having that thought. And, and then honestly, uh, probably the best group of shooters that Rick Barnes has had uh, because if if, uh, if uh, Viscovi is not knocking them down, I think you've got uh, Ziggler. Uh, and honestly, I like Ziggler running the point. I think that gives Viscovi the best chance. Uh, Key can knock it down from anywhere. And Meshack, uh, he kind of gets lost in the in the shuffle, but he's an inside-out guy that basically can play from the rim to the to the sideline. And so I like what he brings to the table just to be versatile in kind of a foul trouble situation or needing some minutes in the middle part of of a basketball game. So I think we're talented. Uh, I don't know that we're good yet. Uh, and and ultimately, you know, I think Rick Barnes and he as a as a as a career would would kind of question uh, timing of when you want to be good. I I don't think it would be great if we were great right now. Um, just because it's not about uh, – I don't think anybody's ever won a national championship in December, uh, but I think a lot of teams win national championships in March and April. So uh, I think he's about understanding his deficiencies pre-conference play, and then uh, we kick that off December 28th. So I think that's when we've got to be right. Now, I'll tell you, I would have answered this question a little bit different after the first half of the Maryland game. We were up 35-17. I would have said, we're not only talented, we're good. But they came back, Maryland came back in that ball game. We played a really sloppy second half, and, and I'm kind of where you're at. I think we're a very talented ball club. Um, I think Rick Barnes is going to get this team into conference play shape before we get into that conference play. Um, so I'm excited to see what the, how this team develops in the upcoming weeks. Yeah, and, and I think uh, I think Rick Barnes teaches an old school style, and what I mean by that is is uh, you know he does he takes the kid gloves off early. Uh, he wants you to get punched in the mouth and then go, oh, you didn't like that. Well, how are you going to respond? I, I think that's how he likes to teach these kids. I, I think this game, uh, this this upcoming weekend against Arizona, I, I think that's going to be a telltale. And then, of course, Austin P to kind of be the Christmas uh, closer there. And then December 28th, Ole Miss comes to town. And I don't care who coaches them or what, what you're doing. Or actually, we go to Ole Miss. We go to Oxford. Uh, that's a, that's a scrappy bunch. That's a, that's a team that always has, uh, that player that seems to find themselves against the Vols. And so I think that's going to be out of the gate, a tough go for us. And, uh, we're just going to have to play our tails off to try to make it work, but, uh, no, nowhere to run and hide. Uh, of course, everybody's probably got Kentucky circled, but I think, uh, Mississippi state, Ole Miss, South Carolina and Vandy, uh, have a lot in our way. Uh, to expose some things before we can ever talk about a wildcat. Yeah, and being a Tennessean, everybody knows Coach Kermit from MTSU, and he went down to Ole Miss. You said it right, Wayne. He's going to have that team fired up for that first SEC play game. I think so. I think so. I, I, I like how he plays, and he's a defensive guy too. So we may we may either lose it 38-36 or we may win it 50-48. to I don't know. Uh, but we'll just have to watch and see. But I like this team, like the way they play. If you've got a uh, – this is kind of off the, the beaten path, but if you've got a player that has to perform well for Tennessee to take it to the next level, who's your one guy? 
I'm going to stick with Josiah Jordan James. I think towards the end of last season, he was a guy that really became a threat for the opponent. Um, not only on the offensive side of the basketball, he plays a tremendous role in the defensive side of basketball. Um, so I think we need to see uh, some of those glimpses that we saw at the end of last season from him in the upcoming weeks. Yeah, I'm, I'm going to go with Olivier Kumwa. Uh, I, I think ultimately his uh, his rim presence, not to say that uh, Plovsic or, or Adu or those guys can't do it, but I think Kumwa is like an in-between guy that if he can take some possessions away from another team, whether that be defensive rebounding or offensive rebounding, giving us another chance with it, uh, I think that level of play could be the difference. I, I don't think we're going to run away with any SEC games, really. Honestly, I think the league's that good. Uh, but I think uh, being able to, to to circle or cross off three or four extra possessions based on rebounding uh, could be the difference in, in some wins and losses. So I'm going to go with Olivier Kumwa. But uh, uh, really, really excited to see what they do, closing out non-conference play, but ultimately leading in uh, to the conference slate. But uh, probably the reason everybody's watching or, or hoping for is the bowl pickums. Uh, like I said, we're going to do it week about. Uh, so this is airing. This is dropping on a Thursday. It's going to be Thursday the uh, 15th. And so we're going to call all the games uh, from now until next Wednesday the 21st. So uh, just the first week of bowl games going to be a lot of games that uh, a lot of locals, is not. they're not going to have a ton of uh, impact to or, or thought about. But you know what? We're going to pick them based on, on whatever metrics we use. I'm pretty sure Ben and I are going to have way different ways that we came to our picks. But uh, we're going to go to our picks now. Uh, again, we'll start it off strong uh, with a little little Red Rebel connection. Uh, we'll start with the hometown lenders, Bahama Bowl. It's going to be Miami of Ohio, the Red Hawks, taking on UAB, the newly announced uh, uh, home of a, a certain Baltimore Raven, Trent Dilfer, the new head football coach of UAB. Yeah, uh, this is a team, and you mentioned D-Hop is going to be a quarterback, you know, 1,700 yards passing, nine touchdowns, three interceptions, got 14 sacks on the season. But the real threat of this offense is Dwayne McBride and that offensive line. I'm taking UAB, and I'm going to take – you know, you can take UAB, and I know – People look at the points, too. I'd take the over on this one, too, Wayne. I think you're going to see a lot of offense on both sides of the ball. Um, so uh, that's that's my picks for this. Yeah, I, I, don't, I don't know much about either of these teams, but anytime there's a Red Rebel present, I know the tenacity is going to be there. I know the dedication is going to be there. And D-Hop has proven to be able to – to stand in there and maintain uh, a starter status uh, for, a, for a good long time there with UAB. Uh, actually been a player of the week multiple times through the season. Maybe on his shoulders there uh, in that opening matchup of bowl season, but I'm going with the Dragons as well. I'm going with the Blazers uh, of UAB. Next go. game on the docket. It is a ranked matchup for the next bowl. It's the Cure Bowl, the Duluth Trading Cure Bowl. None of these are – our sponsors, but we're going to call them out as if they were. Uh, number 25, UT San Antonio, UTSA, University of Texas, San Antonio, taking on the men of Troy. Uh, Troy, a one-and-a-half-point favorite at a neutral site, basically a pick em. Uh The over and under is 55-and-a-half, so they're expecting some good, good amount of points there. It's a 3 p.m. kickoff, uh, Cure Bowl, ESPN. Um, I'll be honest. What you got here? Do you do you have stats that drove your decision? 
Yeah, yeah. So I, I took uh, UT, I, I took UTSA, um, and for one reason, Frank Harris, arguably the best quarterback in the country. Wayne, he's got a seventy-one percent passing uh, rating. I mean, seventy-one percent. I mean, can you get any higher quarterback? Dangerous runner, five hundred eighty-eight yards. Basically, you can go twenty-nine percent higher. Yeah, it's true. true. Where's, Ken? Where's Ken when you need him? You know. I mean, I've learned everything I know from him. I just know there's a hundred. Anyway, now I think I, that's an amazing way to 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 kind of pick there. Uh, I, I'm a little less uh, I'm a little less stat driven in this one. Uh, honestly, uh, UNT San Antonio had a former Tennessee coach that pretty much scorned us and left. He's no longer there. Uh, didn't make the cut there. But I'm gonna go. Troy's helmet has a a sword on the side, but it kind of looks like a T. So I'm going to go with Troy, uh, the number 24 team in the country. They're the favorite. Uh, I'm going to go with them to take the Cure Bowl. Well, to, to go to your pick there, Wayne, Troy has the, the eighth-ranked defense uh, in the nation when it comes to the, the scoring D. That's what it was. Uh, yeah, I, mean, I went with a helmet, but really, really it was all about that uh, scoring defense. <laughs> let's That's move right. to the next day uh again saturday uh cincinnati and louisville we talked about that one last week as we were really just kind of looking at what bowl games intrigued us a little bit uh both of these teams have replaced their head football coach in this offseason uh louisville uh old head coach scott satterfield is now cincinnati's head football coach and louisville has their native son uh, Jeff Brom back on the sidelines or, or on the sideline as the coach now. Uh, Louisville's a one-point favorite. Um, I'm going to go ahead and pick this one first. I'm going with the Redbirds. I'm going with Louisville. Uh, and the reason I say that is, is if you remember Jeff Brom from his XFL days, uh, where he's, they asked him if he was playing coming out of an injured first half, and he said, I'm breathing, ain't I? And so to me – if you've got that kind of intensity as a player, you've carried that through the Boilermaker days of Purdue and really had some nice success there. Uh, I think Louisville's going to be hyped to have their native son on the sideline, even if he's just watching, not coaching. Uh, and I think Cincinnati, uh, I mean, they, they've they got somebody, but I would argue they'd like to have Luke Fickle back if they could take him. So I'm going to go with Louisville this one, uh, an 11 a.m. start uh, in Fenway Park. It'll be in Boston. Good pick. I'm with you with Louisville. There's a lot of players out for Cincinnati after this after this coaching change. Wayne, over six players are out, um, and they're going to be missing Tyon Evans and Tyler Hudson. Uh, but uh, you know, this was this this game kind of reminds me. You talked about the headline about Satterfield switching sides. It kind of reminds me growing up. You know, you're playing wiffle ball with your buddies in the backyard, and, and you got to leave, but one of your buddies has to leave and go back home to dinner. And uh, you to even the ball club, you got to take one of the players from the opposite team and say, hey, we're going to just use him to even up both teams. So this is a guy who's literally switching sidelines. He's going from this sideline to that sideline. Uh, so uh, kind of like all-time quarterback, is that what you're saying? Oh, yeah. So uh, it is sponsored by Wasabi, and I think it, uh, it definitely could get spicy. Uh, the Cricket Celebration Bowl. It's the next one on the docket, Jackson State versus NC Central. Uh, I will say my pick uh, wouldn't be any different 
whether Dion was there or not. Uh, give me Jackson State. Just uh, I think even though Dion's not there, they've already named their coach. I believe he just elevated one of his guys there. Uh, and and ultimately, the culture's there. The skill set's there. Yes, they're going to be running the backup quarterback. Yes, they're not going to have that Hunter kid. Uh, but to me, the bones of Jackson State are still better than the healthy NC Central. Give me Jackson State. Yeah, I'm with you on uh, the Jackson State. Deion Sanders' last game, he's going to coach it. Got kind of a sour taste in his mouth after last year. They were 11-1. They lost to South Carolina State in their bowl game, um, 31-10. They lost two early games uh, early in the season, came back, and and really kind of turned on the Jets there. They've got a killer pass rush attack. Uh, Justin Raisin, eight sacks, two forced fumbles. Um, So – I look for Jackson State to, to pull this one out. Yeah, roll on. But uh, the next game, SRS Distribution Las Vegas Bowl. Uh, two teams that, that we know maybe a little bit about. The Florida Gators, unranked, will take on the 14th-ranked Beavers of Oregon State. Uh, Billy Napier's crew did not have uh, the season that he probably wanted down there in Gainesville. And they'll have an opportunity uh, here mid-December to maybe uh, get a glimpse of what maybe 23 could look like for the Gators. They're doing a nice job recruiting, and I think this will be one of their, uh, their I mean, obviously their last opportunity uh, to kind of show themselves to some of these recruits is what could be opportunities there in Gainesville. Oregon State, on the other hand, uh, really had a nice teaser season there in the Pac-12, uh, but kind of relegated themselves uh, to the Las Vegas ball. So key stat here, Wayne, I've got Oregon State, and uh, I take them on the money line. Probably I think it's going to be closer than the 10 points that they have listed out. But the Beavers are 8-0 when they run over 175 yards. Florida allows 176 yards per game, and it's 2-5 and five when they allow 175 or more. I think there's going to be a problem at quarterback. Of course, Anthony Richardson's out uh, for for Florida, they're going to have Jack Miller in there. This is a Buckeye transfer, uh, so hopefully uh, Billy Napier can avoid having a losing season for the Florida Gators. You know, I'm I'm going to take the Gators. Uh, I, I'll be honest. I, I always say uh, a bad day in the SEC is still better than a good day in a lot of conferences. And so to me, even though I don't like Florida, it would do me no better justice than to see them lose. I think Oregon State is still – uh, they're a second or third tier Pac-12 team, and Florida on a hot day uh, could get it get it done. So I'm going to go with the Gators. I don't think they're going to blow them out, but I think they can win the football game. If nothing else, they'll cover. Uh, the next one, uh, it'll be Washington State, Fresno State. I got the Cougs, as Coach Leach would call them, uh, taking on Fresno State. It's the Jimmy Kimmel L.A. Bowl. And as we uh, crest 30 minutes, Ben, we'll, we'll turn it up a notch. Uh I'm, it's a three-and-a-half-point slide for the Fresno State. Uh, I, I don't know. I, I'm just uh, – I think Washington State's lost some coaches there in this offseason. I'm going to go with Fresno. Yeah, I'm taking Fresno State. Dayon Henley, the Mike linebacker for Washington State, is out. And you know how I feel about Mike linebackers being out for a ball game, so that's going to impact them on defense. Yeah, ask us about South Carolina and losing a mic. But uh, the next one's the Lending Tree Bowl. It's Rice and Southern Miss. I'm picking Southern Miss only uh, because isn't that where Brett Favre went to college? <laughs> yeah, it sure is. I'm going to go yeah. with that. 
Yeah, I'm taking Southern Miss. Uh, Frank Gore Jr. ran for 199 yards and one touchdown in U- University of Louisiana Monroe victory in the last ball game. So that's why I'm taking. taking Next him. one, New Mexico Bowl. It's Saturday, December 17th, 7:30 p.m. Kickoff on ABC. SMU, the Mustangs taking on another set of Cougars, uh, the BYU Cougars, the alma mater of Coach Mike Leach. Uh, BYU is a four-point dog. SMU is the favorite in this one, uh, but I'm going to go with the Cougs. I'm going I'm to take uh, Brigham Young. I, I just think, uh, why not? Uh, again, the alma mater of Mike Leach. I'm picking everybody but Washington State that Leach had affiliation with. The over-under on this ball game is 64-and-a-half. You know why? Both defenses are weak. I was going to so, say, good offense? I, I don't know. Mustangs allow 40 or more points. Uh, I'm going to go with SMU on this one. All right. Uh, the next one, the Frisco Bowl, and not the sandwich you can get at Hardee's. Uh, it's going to be North Texas taking on Boise State. Uh, the the Broncos, 11-point favorite. Uh, I'm going to go with Boise State just because they really have a mascot. Uh, North Texas is a color. They're the mean green. So uh, I'm going to take uh, Boise State in this one. 59 and a half is over and under, so an- I think another uh, defensive uh, lackluster performance could lead to some high scoring. North Texas fires head coach Seth Littrell after a loss in the championship game to UTSA. That team's coming off that loss. And, Wayne, when you lose when you lose your coach after a successful season, how are you going to play? So I'm taking Boise State and the points. Yeah, I think it could be a letdown there. Uh, the Myrtle Beach Bowl, if you're going to not go to a huge bowl, why not go to Myrtle Beach? Marshall takes on Connecticut. Again, the Thundering Herd, if you've, if you've ever been – uh, to Huntington, West Virginia, uh, that's where Marshall's at. It is a, uh, it's like a Carson Newman plus. Nothing against Carson Newman, but it's a, it's a small college town that really, uh, post the accident back in 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 those 60s, 70s, uh, really took a, a, a stunted growth there. But UConn kind of coming out of the, out of the the basically the, the the ground, if you will. I think they had been kind of dormant for a couple years. Uh, I think this game could be interesting. It could be fun to watch. Uh, but at the end of the day, um, you kind of got to go with those that know. Uh, who you who you taking on that one? I'm going to take Marshall with the points. And the reason why, Wayne, UConn, 43.6 of all yardage given up by UConn has been on the ground. They're ranked 39th overall. Guess what? Rasheen Ali is back off injury, and he's played the last two games 181 yards on 32 carries. This guy's averaging about 6.5 yards per carry. Marshall's going to run the ball a lot on this team. Yeah, Marshall's a 10-point favorite. I might as well roll with them, too. The herd uh, will rumble on this one, so I'm going to take Marshall uh, on this one. Uh, The next one, the famous Idaho Potato Bowl, maybe the top name in this year's bowl schedule. Eastern Michigan taking on San Jose State. I have nothing that tells me which way to go on this one, so uh, uh, I'm going to let you pick first. So both these quarterbacks, they must be twins. They're, they're kind of like us, Wayne. These guys are identical. Cordero, 20 touchdowns, four interceptions on the season. Taylor Powell, 14 touchdowns, seven interceptions on the season. It's going to be a close game, but I think San Jose State, San Jose State with Cordero got a better, better shot at it. Yeah, I like I like San Jose State as well. I know we're picking a lot the same, but sometimes if it's clear cut, might as well stick with it. Uh, the next one, the Boca Raton Bowl, it's Toledo and Liberty. Uh, Liberty vacated uh, by Hugh Freeze. He's now at Auburn. 
Uh, don't believe he's going to coach that game as he's he's really trying to get Auburn off the ground. I think he's the difference. I think when they make good decisions, uh, it was because he had been there before. I think they're going to struggle here. I think I'm going to go with the Rockets at Toledo. I'm with you, Wayne. Uh, Daquan Finn, the Toledo quarterback, he's got 22 touchdowns on the season. He's a tough quarterback, but he's also got 113 carries, 609 yards and eight touchdowns. Liberty's coming off a loss, 49-14 to New Mexico State. And guess what? Those Rockets beat the Bobcats recently in a big win. Yeah, I, I think those are those are all key points. The last game that we're going to pick here this week, uh, Western Kentucky taking on South Alabama in the New Orleans Bowl. Uh, South Alabama, a four-point favorite. It's a 9 o'clock kick time. Uh, they may have 1,500 people in the stadium, uh, but <laughs> – uh, I, I don't know. South Alabama, four-point favorite, the over and under 56 and a half. Something's got me thinking uh, the uh, the red blob or, or the hilltoppers uh, there Western Kentucky, they may have what it takes to upset this one. Give me Western Kentucky. Yeah, I think this is going to be a close game. I think uh, LaDamian Webb for uh, Western Kentucky is going to be one of them guys that, uh, you know, 1,014 yards rushing, 13 touchdowns. Um, and he's going to be playing against the tough South Alabama defense there. But uh, South Alabama went 10-2 and two this season. I'm taking uh, South Alabama on the points. Yeah, I, I don't I don't blame you. I'm just trying to give a little bit of difference here if we could. But, uh, uh, ben, uh, again, trying to trim the time, uh, and we've done so. Uh, we've just got this last little closing comments in this week's Big Time Grind. Uh, again, I think uh, – a lot of times you can go a bunch of different directions as to what you, what bugs you week to week. Uh, I'm going to start here. Uh, I, I, to me, individual awards bother me this week. And what I mean by that is, you know, we talked about Hendon Hooker being left out of the, uh, the Heisman, uh, even going to New York. Again, I'm, I am okay. I, I can say with pretty much 100% clarity, I'm okay that he didn't win the award. I, I think – not playing the last couple of games really to, you know, negate you from winning the award. But I just, again, I think everybody knows where I'm at on that. But uh, he won the fan war uh, vote. He won the online, the fan vote for the award. And so I guess what I'm questioning is we're in, we're in 2022. I mean, this is, this is modern day, as technological as we've ever been in the history of ever. Okay. And we still have, blue-haired, suit-wearing, limousine-riding, and I, I won't go through the whole Ric Flair, but uh, they pick the awards. It's uh, it's it's media people, no pun intended. Uh, it's, it's a lot of different people who just, uh, I'll just say it, have biases. Uh, they're from the Northeast. They're from the, the Pacific side, or they have uh, this feeling that it has to be fair, and I, I still feel like this isn't, you know, I don't know. This isn't Thanksgiving. Everybody shouldn't get around at the potatoes. So to me, uh, if if we're smart enough to be able to vote and honestly, uh, diplomatically uh, vote in governmental officials, to me, if the process is there and it's vetted, why don't we get to pick the the awards? In my opinion, I think right now we're we're as much of influencers or creators as the next guy. And so, uh, to me, give us all votes and whoever the fan selects, who they who they select. I don't think it's going to be any worse of a decision. That's my big time grind. I give it to the people. 
hey, your big time grind is my big time grind. And I'm just going to build off that just for a minute, Wayne. So you mentioned it. There are regions for these voters and these electors in the country. And they pick eight, they pick three Heisman candidates and it's a, it's a private ballot. They don't have to tell anybody. They don't have to stand in front of camera and say, I pick this person, I pick this person, I pick this person. So there's regional bias. Um, there's influence from people that are not covering college football. There's over 900 people that get these ballots. Some of them don't even cover the sport and they're making this, this vote. Uh, because they're not willing to give up their vote that they've been able to cast year after year after year. And they say, well, yes, I'm one of the Heisman voters. And I get to cast I get to cast a ballot for the Heisman each and every year. I don't cover college football anymore, but I get to I get to cast a ballot. Um so there's there's some there's a break in the system and I think it needs to be evaluated. And I think the fans need to have a say in who is selected. I think the coaches need to have a say. And I think if you're not covering the game um, and, and the schools can tell you, hey, it's it's this guy. He's our media outlet. He covers the Tennessee balls. It's this guy for the Florida Gators. He covers the Florida Gators. Have those guys cast their ballots, minimize that number from 900 to a reasonable number, and, and let's pick who legitimately is the best college football player and stop picking quarterbacks and wide receivers every year. There's some good linebackers, some good defensive backs. Um, well, at least think, I'd, I'd like to see at least one more defensive guy so I couldn't just grind on that all the time. But well, that's, no, my, I, that's my grind, my friend. Well, and, and, and it's one of those deals. You, you know, it's, it's we're, we've come a long way, and people's going to be like, well, what, what if somebody makes all these burner accounts and gets, you know, 100 votes in? Okay. I don't care. Make a matrix and that the fan votes only 10% or make it where the fan votes, you know, cut it up into five pieces. I, I'm not a smart guy and I could come up with a system that would work. So, uh, again, we'll, uh, we'll leave that for another day, but, uh, but Ben, been another fun day. Again, you changed locations again. Uh, looks like you're, uh, you're in the, uh, in the man cave, got the fridge behind you. Uh, so again, go Vols. I know what's in there. Uh, but, uh, uh, if you've, if you've enjoyed this second episode, again, go back, check out episode number one, and we're going to hope to to continue to, to kind of catch traction on this. Right now we're focusing on bowl games, Tennessee sports, et cetera. Uh, maybe coming through the holidays as I, I find other pieces to kind of plug in, uh, we'll get NFL put in. Uh, we probably won't do the NBA. So if you're looking for that, it's probably just – turn the channel. Uh, but, uh, you know, we're going to try to expand this thing to have a lot of different input uh, from a lot of different people and, uh, just try to expand what is fan driven radios, what we're trying to drive here. Uh, but again, had a good time here, uh, today. Want to thank anybody who's listened. Uh, thank you, Mr. Metz for, uh, jumping on with me. Always fun. Just with uh, a little different. We're a lot the same, uh, but we have a lot of different opinions at, at certain points. So, I want to appreciate that. But, again, thanks for listening and uh, hope to see you in the coming weeks. Uh, but if uh, if you've liked it, good. Go follow us, subscribe, and uh, hit the little bell icon. But until next time, grind on. Grind on.